1: Wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Chakten an indo askeilige.
3: Time iman iruk ti yen of chakt er a harp. Aga soligam amar kan sha gar fejer e har enuik len of winter fein. Skil
0: turmi.
1: Tha do chreacha nach vethach ara Iorgunamhian an cheist sin eacal. We in talam ag in am guriv ahrachar in rachdom. Iad tuig sheath talam guriv an ahrachar sin ilis dohalag is cimine flacht go ra vin marav.
2: Shachtan, find us on all the usual podcast platforms.
1: This is an Irish Independent podcast. They were O'Driscoll, oh, Morgan. extra man, it's Fitzgerald, Off it.
2: Hello and welcome to the Left Wing Independent.ie's Rugby Podcast. I'm Will Slattery and I'm delighted to be joined by Luke Fitzgerald and Keen Tracy to discuss all the latest news from New Zealand. And in the second half of the show, we will be joined once again by Ross Carr from Sky New Zealand, to get the all-black side of things. But for now, Keen, we'll kick off with the New Zealand Maori game. A great win for Ireland. Some of the young players we were pretty disappointed after the first Maori game. They didn't put their hand up for selection. And although it's probably a little too... Kind of late in the day for some guys who played uh, against the Maori to maybe get into the squad for this weekend. Who jumped out to you in terms of having a good performance?
3: Yeah, it was it's been a brilliant week, Will, like you said. I mean, like the whole like yeah, the complexion of the tour has changed. I think if you'd offered Ireland uh win over the All Blacks, obviously they would have snapped your hand off and a win over the Maori as well. So the tour has already been a success, I think. Um, and that's before you even talk about playing for a series this weekend. Um, Yeah, the first Maori game was, was strange. Like, I mean, it feels like a long time ago now because so much has happened, but it was a scratch team that was thrown together, not long off a plane from Ireland. Most of the combinations had never played played together. So I think people's expectations were still kept in check. Of course, you would have liked to have seen another couple of guys uh, put their hand up. I thought Gavin Coombs that night was excellent. And I thought he was very good again in the second Maori game. Um, so there are there are plenty of positives. I think um, there's been breakout stars, I think uh, several of them, actually. And, you know, I'm writing about this in, in the paper before Andy Farrell came over here. He said that one of his the, the main aims of the tour um, was to, to unearth four or five gems. And um, I think he's certainly he's certainly going to be feeling much more optimistic about the strength and depth of his squad after the, the second performance against the Maori um, in terms of guys who stood out, uh, Gavin Coombs, again, I thought was excellent. I think he's really unlucky that there's guys like Caitlin Doris, Jack Conan, and then Peter O'Mahony who's come back in and playing out of his skin because I think he's the one person from that one player from that Maori team who was really, really pushing close to get into the test reckoning. But like, like you said, Will, I'd agree with you. I think it's probably come a little bit too late, but Again, the idea of this tour was to unearth guys who were going to be pushing going forward, and I think if Coombs can have a big start of the season at Munster, you know, come November, then he's going to be knocking on that door even closer. I think, I think the biggest breakout star and probably Boulder surprise package, if that's what you want to call it, is Kieran Treadwell. Um, I, like I've certainly been really impressed by by his sort of development and. You know, Andy Farrell seems to have a bit of an eye for, for picking players who maybe aren't always first choice at their provinces. I think um, you think back to Jameson Gibson Park and kind of the improvement he's made since he's come into the Ireland setup. And I think Kieran Treadwell is another one of them. He doesn't start, he's not first choice with Ulster. Um, but Andy, he really fits the kind of athletic the skill profile that um, Andy Farrell is looking for in his locks. And since he's come in, it's, it, it's been interesting. He's kind of really spoke highly of, I suppose his his maturity within the group will. He, he's calling the lineouts in both of the Maori games. He's taken on a lot more responsibility. He's more than likely going to be on the bench again this weekend, and that will mean he'll have featured in all five games on tour, which... I think if you had said it at the start, you know, what player would you would you reckon will feature in all five games? I don't think many people would have predicted Kieran Treadwell. So um, I think the energy that he's given Ireland off the bench, I thought he was good again last weekend in the win over the All Blacks. So he's been a bit of a find. Still has to, I think, um, smooth out a couple of rough edges, but um, he's certainly kind of making up for lost time when you consider that his first couple of caps were on that Japanese summer tour in 2017 a year after he joined Ulster so I was impressed with him as well and just another couple of players I think are worth mentioning there Craig Casey and Kieran Frawley I thought you know the the, the pack were so much better in in that second Maori game Uh, they really had the edge on on, on the Maoris but I thought Casey brought some real good tempo to proceedings and I think we saw, um, I'll, I'll tee this up nicely for Luke to come in, but I, I think we saw <laughs> why so many people, and myself included, and um, are excited about the potential of Kieran Frawley at 10. It wasn't perfect, but I mean, that was his third game uh, starting at out half this season. He had won for Leinster and obviously won in the first Maori game, which didn't go that well, but again, showed flashes. But I thought this was a step up. You can see how aggressive, how abrasive he is in the defensive line and you know luke has certainly been one who's been vocal on that and when you have a big guy kind of in that 10 role, like as johnny Sexton has been over the years it does make such a big difference and it has been probably a bit of a problem area we saw it again at the weekend joey carberry missing that tackle in the end game on Jordy barrett for will jordan's try so um i was really impressed i thought kieran frolly kicked well i don't know you guys can can fill me in i don't know if it came across on tv but um the conditions were absolutely atrocious. The wind, the wind was coming in sideways into the stadium, but then like swirling around at one end of the pitch. Um, I was kind of thinking to myself, you can really understand why uh, the local super rugby team are cur- called the Hurricanes here. It was absolutely nuts. So I think for two young, inexperienced out-halves to bring that level of control in difficult conditions and let's face it, against a good Maori team, um, I thought was really impressive and offered plenty of hope for the future.
2: Yeah, Luke, the Frawley one, obviously I'm sure people were tweeting you earlier, or, <laughs> or, you, or given you've been kind of flying the flag for for quite a while, but it was a very you know interesting performance in terms of how it sets up, you know, even next season. Like from an Irish perspective, a lance perspective, you know what what did you make of his performance and this, you know, what the future kind of holds now after you know such a you know interesting and a good performance. Um. Yeah, it's uh
1: he comes back to the same situation. The uh resources at Leinster just don't fit. Um him playing at ten. So I don't think there's a future for him there, if I'm being honest. That's probably what I've been getting at for a long time. Uh unless the but coach do you not is... think
2: that do you not think he's now like a performance like that against the Mary? Like it wasn't a cap game, but the, the standard of opposition is so high that like it almost for it, it would have to like force Leinster's hand, you don't know think? Like d- does he not now march ahead of Ross Byrne potentially and Get the lion's share of URC games next season, given Johnny Sexton is, is is managed quite a bit in that competition. No, don't think so. I think they'll go with Ross and
1: I think they'll play him at 12. I think it suits the they play an expansive game plan. It works for the team. Um, you know, and they know he can slot in there. They they can use Harry if Ross gets injured. So um, yeah, no, I think it's a big problem for his career. Um, saying that for a while. Um I think he's brilliant. I think he's uh think he got a lot of uh, a lot of stick for that first test uh, and I just don't know what like what people were watching in this game. Um, unless it was the crossfield kicks they were marginally too far. Um, he was brilliant in the first test. If you actually know out half play and I played every position in the back line besides nine. I, I know like I played it Raj, Felipe, you know, Jimmy Gopper, Sexton, like Stephen Jones. Um I know, I know 10, I know, I know back play like, and he's just excellent. He makes very few bad decisions. I think um, for someone who's played so little in that position, Uh, his passing is good. He's calm on the line. He makes good decisions there. He's a great, he's a lovely defensive asset to have on your team. As Keen alluded to there, that's something I've been banging for a long time. And look, Joey missed that tackle. and It was a difficult one-on-one still should have made it, but he missed a few other ones too. And he's missed quite a lot over, over. Like when I watch him all the time, I just don't know if he's, he's lost his nerve or something and you know um i hate saying that but he just looks like he's lost his confidence in his in his tackling or something like that he's missing loads of tackles um you know he's going off his feet too early diving at things when he's a really light guy he's a small guy and so you need to be staying on your feet for longer and using your balance and your technique to get people down um so yeah he's uh he's 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 you know, he's become a bit of a problem. And that's in that sense, even though he's a lovely footballer, I still think 15 hides, hides that weakness in his game, that size a little bit more, uh, at 10, he'll get exposed long-term, I think. And that's very harsh. And I feel hard. I, it's tough for me to say those things. I know Joey a little bit. He's a lovely guy, but I think 15 is his position. Um, so yeah, that's my view on that one. Um, yeah, really happy with, with, with kind of, uh, lots of the same things that the team was, I thought defensively, they made a big effort and there was a big change in front, from 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 the first test from these guys who are probably the second string, uh, put pressure on New Zealand. I mean, I don't remember two games where New Zealand made as many handling errors. And I think that was really down to Ireland's defense. I thought they attacked the ball. Well, at times when they caught the, the, the attacker, um, you know, and, uh, I actually thought, so Treadwell, I thought looked completely out of his depth in that first Mary test. Um, and I actually gave him a bit of stick actually. Um, and I, and I thought Timney looked a bit, maybe it was just, a, maybe was just, just off the plane and all that. Um, I didn't think Timoney looked great, and I've liked Timoney all season for for Ulster. Geez, I thought he roared back and had a super performance, and um, I, 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 really, I was really, I thought he was really, really good. Uh, I thought Larmer was very good for large periods. I think it was still pretty silly to to pull um, uh, Bashup's sons. I can't remember his full name. Bashup's sons back for for that uh, yellow card. I didn't think he needed to. I thought he might have been able to catch him anyway. And look, if he gets the offload inside to Perinara, um, you know, I think um, you know. <sighs> there's nothing you can do about that. I wouldn't have given away the yellow card there. Um, But uh, I thought he was really good outside of that. So loads to be positive about. I thought McCluskey was good. He had a few errors at the end, but I thought he had a really strong game as well when he came on. So that's very positive. I, I, I like McCluskey. I think he's a guy that can be very beneficial to Ireland, can give them something maybe... I know Henschel's a big guy too but McCluskey's a huge man you know and he can be a nice foil for you in there if you if you decide to change things up and he I was glad to see him back in a, in an Irish shirt um and I think we probably should mention the front row that's pretty important nice to see Benty get on for for one last cap but uh leaving that aside um you know I thought Lockman was good liked his ball playing thought he made lots of positive uh, you know um he lots of positive involvements around the pitch and I think that suits Ireland's game plan currently um, so you know you don't have to necessarily it looks like there's probably green shoots in behind uh, you know Keane Healy which was an area we're kind of saying "Geez, you know Keane's you know a lot of miles in the clock um, and he still looks very fit to me but it looks like there is some guys behind him like I like Byrne as well I think he's an excellent player um, not sure he's big enough for international but geez, he's so mobile around the pitch lovely footwork and stuff and lovely hands so um, that was positive and yeah um, yeah, that they're my they're my thoughts on just some of the players. So I know you only wanted me to go on about Frawley. I was nearly not going to say it. I was going to say, well, the performance <laughs> speaks for itself. Um,
3: but he was excellent, yeah. So lot I just can I just jump in. Can I just jump in on Frawley? Actually, just a quick one before we move on. Um, we got to speak to him on Monday, the day before the game. And I don't know, there's such a level of matureness about him. I know he's 24 and he isn't exactly a new kid on the block, but you know, you speak to enough rugby players to know a guy who has a real kind of something about him, a real sense of calm. And and certainly my sense from the outside looking in is that he's a guy who could definitely kind of run a back line. He just seems so assured, so calm. And it was interesting, Will. He actually told us, I'm sure you guys have probably seen the quotes that he doesn't want to be a jack of all trades that, you know, kind of when you're younger and coming through, it's fine to be able to fit in anywhere because you just want to get on the pitch. So um, I kind of pushed him on it and was basically saying like, OK, so when you go back to Leinster, you're going to be knocking on Leo and Stuart Lancaster's door and saying, OK, look, I want to push on as a 10 here. But he kind of rolled back a little bit and said the way. The Leinster system is designed; it's that the second playmaker is in twelve, so he feels comfortable enough to do that because it's almost like having two tens on the pitch as well. So, and that's how that's certainly the the line that Lancaster and Philippe Contepomi have said over the last couple of years when they've been asked about it. But I mean, like Harry Burns' injury profile is is worrying. Um, apparently, um, he picked up like he twink, he tweaked his hamstring in one of the very first training sessions when. Ireland arrived over here and I believe I don't think it's been confirmed yet that he went home having done his other hamstring so like he's picking up a lot of soft tissue injuries and I know that can happen anyone but Frawley is so robust like we've talked about you know he, he, he he's really able to handle the kind of the rough and tough tough of it um, and I agree I agree with um, Luke to a certain extent I mean Leinster just value what Ross Byrne brings so much but He's been seen... excellent
1: for them, keen Like, Ross no, Byrne he... has been excellent for the club, hasn't he? Like, when you think
3: about it... He, he, he has, but he's not. He but you think not, look but... of two
2: games, like the, the La Rochelle to- game last year and this year, where Ross Byrne started last year and came on this year, and Frawley was on the bench both times didn't play a minute. And you'd be quite wondering, like you know, at out half, would he have, like if he had come on in those games or played those games or played some minutes in either of them? Could that have been a difference maker in Leinster winning a Champions Cup over the last two seasons? Yeah, but you
1: could probably point to a few other things. Will. you could probably point to that kick against Ulster as well. You, there's other occasions where you could say, well, Ross Byrne has dug them out of holes. Like, what about extra last year? You know, um, oh, no, he's brilliant. In that. Well. So, like, do you know what I mean? Like, and I, and I think if you look at those La Rochelle La Rochelle games, you know, would you look at those games and say, and say you look at the England game, and this is not to completely dig him out right but just just if you think about it from this perspective would you say in any of those games the lancer pack got even close to parity like it's like like johnny sexton i've seen johnny sexton who i think is you know right up there with johnny wilkinson dan carter etc um you know comfortable in those company in those guys company i think um i've seen him look awful against england when the pack got smoked, like there's no, there's literally nothing you can do. Like Connor Murray, you have seen who was the, probably the, the himself and Aaron Smith were, you know, no like neck and neck for best scrum halves in the world. Um, If your pack is getting like getting destroyed, you look this, you just look so average at, at nine and 10. There's very little you can do. Every decision is, you know, under pressure. It's a half a second less, you know, everything's on the back foot. They're on the front foot. Like it's, I don't know. I, I just feel like you need to be really careful about what games you're picking out. Like, my big issue with frawley is that you can't pick him because you just don't have a body of work to, to look at with him you just you, as as keen said one game and i think it was one of the, i think that was on the south african tour wasn't it um that he got his one game at 10 so yeah. uh, for 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 Leinster. so like i don't know i think um you know he's got a real problem there because ross burn has loads of games yes there's a few that haven't gone well but there's loads of games you can look at um you know uh, ross burn having a brilliant game for Leinster and digging them out in tough circumstances when they're down, for example, against Exeter and Johnny goes off. Um, so yeah, I'd be, I'm always cautious about judging him too quickly. I, I prefer Frawley there. Um, I think he's, I think he's a better playmaker. I think he's square to the line. And I also feel like he's very, very calm close. And I still feel like Ross is a little bit over his outside foot. And what I mean with that, when he's sorry, when he's passing, it doesn't really commit the defensive line. I think Frawley's better at going off the inside foot and just squaring up a little bit. It's, I can't tell you how it's such a basic skill, but it's so important. And, um, and that's, I just, caught I'm just to, just to, to circle back. Cause I want to reemphasize. I'm just cautious about judging a guy on games where the pack is getting, is getting really, you know, demolished. Uh, I'm not, I don't know if demolished,
2: but getting badly beaten, I think. Ian, can I ask you, Keith, can I actually put something to you, you Keane? Know, say if Andy Farrell now identifies Kieran Frawley as his preferred option going forward at number two, at half, and but Leinster are like, no, we, we're playing him 12, that's what suits us best. What kind of conversations can are, can be had? What can Andy Farrell do? Can he do anything if Leinster take that line? Can he? Does he have to plead? Does he have to beg? Or did, can he tell Leo Cullen, well, no, we need to see him at out half?
3: Well, this is the exact point that I was going to make, Will. I, I mean I, those conversations will be very interesting. And I think when those sort of conversations over the last years have had to have, have had have had to happen with Leinster and the IRFU, they haven't always gone that well. Intentions have, you know, have definitely existed. But like you go back to the James and Gibson Park example, like I said at the very start of this, Andy Farrell saw something in him when he was second choice to Luke McGrath, and now he's first choice for both teams. So personally, I think the ship has sailed. For Ross Byrne in terms of international selection, um, I think he's what probably down at fifth choice now, if not sixth. Um, and I'm putting myself into Andy Farrell's uh, shoes here. Um, his younger brother Harry got picked ahead of him despite barely playing this season. Kieran Fraudy got picked ahead of him, and he's not playing ten. Uh, Jack Hartley would have been picked ahead of him if he hadn't missed the torture injury. So. It's clear that Andy Farrell doesn't see him part of his World Cup plans, but he sees he certainly sees Frawley as a viable option. And yeah, I think, and I actually think Frawley could become. Um, a live option for the 23 jersey this weekend. I, th- I, I think I would be very surprised if they'd dropped Joey Carberry um, despite the fact that he's had a tough tour. But that 23 jersey is up for grabs this weekend with Bundy Aki is going to start at 12 alongside Robbie Henshaw moving to 13. So, I mean, the three contenders for that 23 jersey, you would think, are Jordan Armour, Keith Earls and Kieran Frawley. Now, if you look at the way Andy Farrell has selected that 23 you know man over the last couple of years most teams go for a Jordan Armour or a Keith Earls a guy who can play across the back the, the back line but when Robbie Henshaw and Bundy Aki have both been fit they either of those guys have tended to be the one wearing the 23 jersey and they have far less versatility than the, the guys who I've mentioned so the point is Farrell likes a big you know stocky now Frody certainly isn't in the same kind of bracket in terms of that as Bundy Aki and Robbie Henshaw but I wouldn't be surprised if you know I think their plan is to take Wednesday off and then the whole squad is going to train on Thursday and they'll nail down the kind of the final team for for Saturday. But it will depend on who comes through, you know, in terms of fitness fatigue wise after that Maori game. But I wouldn't be surprised if you know Frawley shows up well on Thursday, trains well, that he'd be very much in with a shout of wearing that 23 jersey. And like kind of like I said at the very start of this, Will, one of Andy Farrell's biggest aims of this tour was to come up with four or five gems. And if Frawley is that much in the equation, which I think there's no doubt he is. It just shows how valuable this tour has been, how valuable the two Maori games have been. I mean, when you looked at that schedule at the start, you were kind of going, wow, this could, this could seriously backfire in Ireland if they were to lose five games going into a World Cup next year, there'd be a lot of scar tissue. Now, all of a sudden, they've got the historic first win over the All Blacks. They've beaten the Maoris, which is actually the first time they've beaten the Maori as well. I think it was only the fourth attempt, but it's still a bit of history as well. Uh, it's two all in the series. And now there's a lot more positivity around the depth of the squad, around certain options than there was probably this time last week when when I was speaking to you guys.
2: Yeah, it's fully. It went from like the tour from hell to like the best case scenario in three days. Even the way people viewed Michael Ben's presence at first it was like, oh, my God, how is he playing? How is he? I was like, oh, good on him. Good to see him get on for a couple <laughs> of minutes there.
1: They're um, a very
3: fickle bunch, with I know, yeah. But you were time. sorry.
1: No, Keane's point, I think, was that the numbers were wrong, wasn't it? Not that the tour was like you. you I think you like everyone yeah. was happy with the. Five, but if you lose games, five
2: nil and you get a raft of injuries, you know, yeah. it, it's yeah, pretty. But much, is it sorry? Is it? Still, you still like? You,
1: even your downside case is that
2: you've discovered that you've
1: you've ten guys who you thought were probably up to it, and you're thinking, mm, do you know, what I don't think so anymore. So like already, you're learning something about about your group. So um because it's a bloody difficult place to go touring like it looks great now and the results are super and yeah, they are important to get them but the more important thing is like this is a journey of discovery for him you know with is it 18 months to go or just un, is it just under 18 months 18 months probably is this yeah um i don't know exactly what it is but it's like you know he's he's getting close now to having to figure out what his uh, what what his team is and i think um yeah, like either way, it was going to be great. The the issue I think that Keen is saying is that like, well, why weren't like, they? why didn't just bring the extra couple of bodies and have
3: you know instead of having to take them off their bloody holidays, you know? Exactly. That's it. I mean, like the Michael Bend story is great and you couldn't begrudge him at all. And like fair play to him for answering the call. I think he actually missed his flight uh, to get to Wellington and then had a mad dash to get here again. And again, it was only as precaution because... It made no sense to ask Tyg Furlong to, you know, go through the warm-up or Andrew Porter because look, look at what happened last night. Um, Finley Beelam picks up a calf injury, but he should be okay for this weekend. They pulled him as a precaution, but it would have been an absolute disaster if Tyg Furlong had to go onto the bench uh, in that Maori game and suddenly Tom O'Toole gets an injury early in the game. But I suppose my point was that it wouldn't have hurted, and I still stand by this, it wouldn't have hurted to bring an, a couple of extra guys, but... The, the argument that Andy Farrell would make was that he didn't see enough kind of quality I guess that he didn't want to bring guys just for the sake of it to be holding tackle bag. so he didn't genuinely believe would be in the frame to feature at the World Cup but maybe a younger guy um with it in one of the problems is might have benefited from that time coming and even getting the five minutes that Michael Bent got off the bench you know he'd be in the system he knows what it's about but I can understand why Ireland you know pulled Michael Bent they obviously didn't want to have, go down the route that, that I'm saying but um, that was the only thing that I said a couple a couple of extra numbers might have been handy but I think I think you'd have to say I, and I, I remember saying this point to you lads last week Um, th- the way Andy Farrell has managed both squads both teams if you, if you want to call it that like has been really really impressive and my, my sense of being around the squad for the last few weeks is that there's been no kind of disharmony there's no disquiet um, the midweek team understand kind of their role in prepping the test team and we were chatting to Hugo Keenan um, after the game in Dunedin at the weekend and you know one of the first things he said was that it was kind of back to work now at the start of the week and the test team are going to start helping the midweek team to you know to, to beat the Maori and they're you know you can kind of when you're around a team you can kind of buy into their speak a lot so i'm always kind of wary and cautious because i've kind of been burnt particularly at world cups thinking oh this is it you know the the (laughs) semi-final here we come kind of a thing but honestly over the last few weeks on this tour i really believe that this is an unbelievably tight group and i feel like so much of that is down to the culture that andy farrell has created because it's not easy for For guys who, like we've spoken about throughout this conversation, who know that it's very difficult to force their way into the Test 23 because they've been playing so well. So for their spirits to be kept up, their morale to be kept up and to put in a performance like that against the Maori, I thought was really impressive. And it showed, like if you compare the first Maori game to the second Maori game, the the teams were, it was like two different teams and and, and it wasn't. But it shows how well the players are picking up messages from the coaches that they're not throwing the toys out of the pram, that they know... That the bigger picture is at play here, and I think that that's been a real success of coaching as well as the players taking their opportunity.
2: Yeah, I know. I want to look ahead to the third task league, but first, a word on the officiating it on Saturday. <laughs> I think everyone was probably Jesus. It was, yeah. it was insane, wasn't it? it was yeah, absolutely
1: insane. The, what, what were you? I, even, mean, I know funny. it was actually. So I think someone I thought I I, I can't remember who I was looking at a thread on Twitter, and in fairness, it did sound like it was quite complex. The certainly the scenario with. When, when new zealand uh, were supposed to have 12 on the pitch but they didn't but then when they ended up with 15 on the pitch for a moment i was like well, like i don't care how complex it was like <laughs> they had a red guard you know um they got away with one as well uh that challenge um you know in uh in the air um you know was, was very poor like i mean you just have to like we were trying to block a kick you just have to you have to have some kind of, and I'm sorry, the one thing, the one thing that I thought was, was really annoying was that he tucked his shoulder in to protect himself in the collision. And that's always a big thing with me. If, if I feel like someone is going in, like people do lose control of their body at times like that, that does happen. It's, we can't control everything. We have to try, I think. Um, but if you go into something and you try and protect yourself and you take out the other guy, you could see him tucking his shoulder. So it meant he was definitely coming out on top in the collision. Um, and Matt Hansen got flattened, um, that's when I lo- I've no sympathy for you then. I think, you know, if you get smashed as well, to a certain extent, you know, you can tell the person is out of control. And look, you do have to have a duty of care up there. But when you took the shoulder, he, he should have been off for me. You could see he had a shiner as well. Like I, I saw some people talking about it and I was like, what are you talking about? They've not like, I I think thinking about him with Steve Ferris, I was like, Jesus Steve, like, I don't know what, like there's nothing tough about this. Like you can see he has a shiner. Like, you know, I don't care if his arm brushed off his chest first. He hit him in the second, in in the, like hit him in the face. It was a definite red card. So that was disappointing. You know, I think he probably, you know, I was actually quite happy he started pinging New Zealand a bit. I think they have always get away with it down there. Um, I just didn't like his language before any of the stuff. He was, he was talking about mitigating factors before even looking at the footage. Did, you, did anyone else pick yeah. up on that? Like, it was like, it's like, just, just calm down for a second here. Have a look at the footage before you start talking about mitigating factors. Like, but even in the, in the second line, he's actually dangerous for players. He was Bill. trying to talk to I talk to think, really dangerous. Dangerous. I think his, his, his interpretations are really dangerous for players. I don't care. He, like, all the hard men can say what they want, but when people are tucking shoulders, there's nothing hard about that to me um you know you're 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 just stupid you're just being a you're just just an idiot if you're kind of having that kind of conversation when we know how serious head injuries are now so to my mind like uh game hasn't gone soft new zealand i've never seen new zealand lose control as much um maybe maybe that second test against ireland after chicago um where they got away with absolute murder as well on that one um but um yeah i mean look i think Sadly, and I never like call him for anyone's job, but like there is the perfect coach to sort out this New Zealand team, like sitting on their selection committee. And if they are not considering him, like I think it would be the worst thing that ever happened for everyone else. If Joe Schmidt got the job, I think he completely sort them out. Um, and I know people are talking about Scott Robertson; he might be brilliant too. But I just feel like Joe Schmidt is exactly when I looked at this New Zealand team. I think he is exactly what they need like the, i've never seen it to, you know a new zealand team drop the ball so often i've never seen such ill discipline and lack of control throughout the game um you know i think if they lose this third test they need to act quickly or it's going to be too late for him to implement his game and his thoughts on, on the squad so that's just a few of the thoughts will on the refereeing and then i think but what, what i think the likely outcome is if um, if they do lose this third test, you know, I think um, you know, without a comprehensive win, I think they have to they
2: have to think about
1: changing the ticket. You know,
2: yeah, you mentioned that uh, test after Chicago, Yakko Piper was the referee that day as well. Correct, so that, Correct. That and the in... French
1: match as well. Do you remember the French match in Paris, where yeah. there was lads getting like it was almost like world wrestling. It was it was ridiculous, like getting clotheslined.
2: Yeah, I, and I mentioned earlier that uh, that second test against the Lions when Sonny Bill got red, carded. He was kind of t- trying to talk. Jerome Garcés actually had to give him a red card that day as well. He was a touch judge, and he was kind of being like, oh, do you want to look at it again? Just as Garcés is about to give the red right card. So, yeah, as you say, his kind of language and interpretations, even last week when I mentioned he was refereeing, I was kind of half tongue-in-cheek saying, oh, we better watch out this weekend. Didn't think it would be quite as controversial as it was. Keen. just before we let you go, you know, the third test, obviously Andy Fra was speaking about how this is kind of the week of the players' lives. Like, what do you think Ireland should be working on now between now and Saturday in terms of getting that series win?
3: Uh, just a quick one on the discipline, Will. I think it's been so eye-opening being down here and kind of, you know, chatting to local Kiwi journalists. And even I was chatting to a couple of New Zealand officials who work for the, the, the union. And they're so fur this 20-minute red card. And I know it's something that we've spoken about before, but like, their their whole mindset around you know player safety and player welfare to me just seems like it's still behind what we're doing in the northern hemisphere um I was really taken aback by basically across the board. Like they feel like a a lot of the people down here feel like that the All Blacks were hard done by last weekend. Even when Piper was sending off Tau Vavu, he is apologizing to Sam Kane. You know, unfortunately, I have to send him off. I mean, Gary Ringrose's tour is over now. And like, I mean, it was an absolutely sickening head collision. And I know, you know, the prop got a pretty bad doing as well. But I mean, you've got to have a deterrent here and I'm, I'm actually sick of talking about this because I think we're all we're all pretty much in agreement on this from the previous conversations we've had but like what kind of deterrent is it to say to a guy you know oh you can take 20 minutes out like out of the game, but then we can replace you but pretty much everyone I've spoken to down here that's what they want to see and that's what I was actually wondering kind of in hindsight is that why the all blacks try to go back to 15 like were they still thinking, Oh, the twenty-minute red card that we can replace. I'm not sure what was going on there, but um,
2: yeah, even Ian Foster's comments came after the game, like he, you know, what did he say? Like, oh, it's like card roulette. Or he said, so you know, it's just kind of if that's the way they're thinking about it, it's almost delusional to me. If they can't accept what happened at the weekend and look at look at themselves, and they would
1: never have made that mistake. If their point, he would, he would, ne- he would never have got the numbers wrong. and He would have known the rules inside. I thought, did, you not, did anyone else think that was crazy? No. But, but I think that was just the reaction an to the cards. For an
2: international coach to make, even the reaction to the cards, and you know, if if the head coach is kind of refusing to accept, is it, it what does it say about the team and what they're saying internally?
1: Oh, well, I think they're in big trouble. Like with it, I think they need to. So, like they need to, like from, from a New Zealand perspective, and we would be interesting to hear it now afterwards. They need to, they need to, you know, you need to take the referee out of the equation as much as possible. He's like, and to my mind, he's like an outside factor that you just go right. How do we manage him out of the game? Like that's what we—that I was always my thinking about a referee. Like this guy should have no involvement in the game, or as little involvement in the game as we can we can manage. And they don't seem to be even thinking that way. I think they're thinking that you know he inserted himself into. it, Whereas there was loads of these fifty-fifty, like not even fifty-fifty. I think it's only fifty-fifty in their mind, kind of collisions that are bringing him in, are bringing him into the equation. You're like. I thought it was crazy that a team that you're, you know, when you're going out and you're a brilliant team, you've got brilliant athletes, you've got good ideas and you back yourself um, like New Zealand pretty much always do. I think you you try and control the controllables and he's something that you can't you can control to a certain extent, but you've got to try as much as you can. And um, that was definitely something that I really learned during it was a big change from the Czech era. In fairness, who so just hated referees. But Joe always tried to manage that really well. Um, And I thought he did a brilliant job on that. He was a bit revolutionary on some of his ideas there, I thought. Um, It gives you an edge. And it's a strange thing like that. New Zealand were kind of moaning about it straight away after. And I think for the head coach to be doing that, very unusual. And it puts him in a dangerous position if he didn't turn himself around and get himself mentally prepared and get the team mentally prepared um, for, for what's going to happen this weekend, you know, with the referee, because it's going to be front and center again.
3: Yeah, well, just a quick, quick cautionary note on that, like Wayne Barnes is going to be the ref this weekend and, you know, Ireland haven't had, always had the happiest time with him in charge. I think Johnny and his, you know, can can kind of bounce off each other. And Sam Kane was up doing media on Tuesday. And to me, it felt like such a point of question from the local kind of Kiwi journalist. They were asking him, oh, is Wayne Barnes basically a kind of a good appointment for a game like this and Sam Kane was like oh yeah, yeah you know we really respect him as a man and all this and like the brown nose that was going on was honestly unbelievable and um, so I think Ireland are going to have to be wary of that as well because I actually thought they did a really good job of feeding back through the, the official channels you know because the amount of times that the All Blacks in the first test didn't get pinged for clearing the rock too deep and then in the second test they had clearly gave the information back and Piper did ping them but you don't want to re- see that reset now where they are getting away with it. there's got to be consistency in the refereeing and it's still a problem in the sport isn't it how the referees interpretation can wildly vary from one game to the other because there's nothing to say that Wayne Barnes isn't going to take a different kind of interpretation of the breakdown this weekend so i think ireland are going to have to be wary of that too and um, they're used to having wayne barnes they have him in the champions cup quite often you know the, the irish players so that's one to i think uh, point out as well will
2: be very interested to see how he referees it this weekend but for now Keen, thanks so much for joining us cheers lads we're delighted to be joined once again by ross carl from sky new zealand and ross what a third test we have in store in wellington this saturday one one in the series so far
0: what's the mood in new zealand are
2: people nervous
0: They're worried. There's no doubt about that. They're anxious. I think they're angry, um, frustrated at what they can see. It's been going on probably for a long period of time with this team not being where New Zealand fans are used to it being. I mean, an all-time low ranking of number four isn't something that New Zealand public accepts. New Zealand public accepts number one and nothing less from the All Blacks. And it's always been that way. And you know, uh, rightfully so, they should expect a lot from a team that's got very good players in it um but unfortunately look they're being outthought they're being outplayed and we can see that um so and it's not just now it's been over a period of years which i suppose makes people worry even more about the continued decisions around the team made by the same people that are leading to the same problems so and that's not talking down what ireland's done ireland have been amazing um they've shown up up front um The more you watch Johnny Sexton, the more you realize he's a genius. Like It just gets better and better and better with age, the way he organizes the players around him, the options he has, the structures they play from phase play, and how they're so different with every phase. It's quite incredible to watch. Um, But New Zealand's needs this win this weekend, I would go as far as to say, probably outside of the third test against the Lions in 2017, and maybe even more so this is the most important mid year test match the All Blacks have played in the professional era, because there is so much on the line for the coaching staff, there is so much pressure from the public, people are angry and they want better. And this comes off the back of the 2017 series against the Lions, and that not working out. It comes off the back of losses to Argentina and Ireland. It comes off the back of the World Cup failure in 2019. It's been building, and now it's got to a point where people are ready to see change if there is not a win this season, this weekend. Well, you really set the table nicely. Uh, Ooh, yeah,
2: yeah. It's, it's funny, you know. Yeah, before the the first test, you know, we asked you about Ian Foster and his position and the pressure he was under. A new said, New Zealand don't make changes mid cycle. And then we asked you if they were to lose a series, and you still felt that way. Now that we've gotten to this juncture, if Ireland win at the weekend, do you think that would be Ian Foster's last game?
0: Look, I I don't. I honestly don't, because New Zealand rugby has never sacked a coach before. Um, It's never happened. (laughs) They go through cycles. They get to the end of World Cup cycles. In one case, Wayne Smith stepped down. But they've never sacked a coach before. And it's going to take a lot of bravery from the people who made the decision to put Ian Foster in there to admit their own fault if they don't win this weekend and make a change. There's only a short period of time to turn it around. Rassi Erasmus did it very successfully with 18 months to go. Um, Does New Zealand have the right option and does it have the people who want to make the decision about it? We'll see. Um, Yeah, it's it's a tough situation. This much time, there's a couple of rugby championships, there's a few test matches before the next World Cup. If you don't make it now, you're never going to make it, but I don't think they'll make it now.
2: Yeah, look. From what you've seen from the All Blacks over the course of the two games, in particular at the weekend, you know, what's kind of jumped out to you about how they're playing and, and the role the coaches are playing in that? Yeah, I just
1: mentioned it with our previous guests. Like, I think they're bringing the referee onto the onto the pitch. They're bringing him into the equation far too often. Um, I'd be very concerned about the coaches' reaction um, to to the referee's interpretations. I'd actually thought they were lucky not to get two red cards, if I'm being honest, uh, even though the look you still don't like to see it. Like there were two collisions that that, that that they do happen, but there's just a duty of care out there and you've got to be in better positions. And, uh, you know, I thought for the Mac Hansen one, as I said previously, you know, once he tucks his shoulder coming down, I lose pretty much a lot of sympathy for him. Like he's basically his, his arm brushed off his chest before he hit him in the eye. You could see the shiner coming up from it. You know, you're just bringing the referee into, into the equation. And, um, look, the other collision, you know, he actually, it was brilliant defense for a big man because you can see him stepping forward, uh and anticipating the contact but he also did anticipate the contact really well just got to be lower so very unlucky for a big man there uh but now that's an awful collision for the two guys and just got to be careful there you know so um and even the rest of the game i thought they were you know kind of moaning to the referee a lot a lot like when i grew up watching new zealand you know i just they never really they never talked to the referee that much at all i thought actually they were a lot smoother, I thought, when McCall was in. Like, he managed it unbelievably well. But I've just never seen them interact so poorly with the referee and adapt so poorly. Um, and that would be very concerning, you know, from, from my perspective. And the other thing I'd, I'd mention again, um, the, ball, I, the ball handling. Like, I have just never seen any New Zealand team drop so much ball. Like, it was just incredible. Now, Ireland did defend well, um, but a lot of them were cold. Like, just a, just a pure drop. Um, And I just think, you know, I've never seen that either. Like uh, you expect New Zealand to take some chances always. And they usually, they usually choose their timing brilliantly with that. And they execute very well, even if they're really silky skills. Um, But it was really just basic handling. And um, I think they'll be really disappointed when they look back at the game and look at those things. What I would say is they can change those things very quickly. My concern, again, to reiterate and circle back is, is Foster the guy to do that. Or do they have the perfect guy on the selection committee to change those two very things that he, you know, like Joe Schmidt in my mind is, he is the perfect guy to get the best out of this New Zealand team and he could reinvigorate them. There's enough time for him to implement quite a, you know, complex game plan very quickly. But uh, what I would say on him is there's a bit of a misconception about that. Most of the training that he does is based on New Zealand philosophy always that I grew up with was basics never drop a ball rucking execution brilliant and he was also amazing at just taking the referee out of the equation and managing that really really well so um i get ross's point um but i think you know if this is a close one and it's a messy one which i think it very well could be um this weekend i mean the conditions are always pretty tricky down in wellington um i I just think i think they have to have a really close look at it I i have to have a close look at foster as head coach i think I think Joe, I always said that Joe, my, my,
2: Joe in New Zealand is like my worst nightmare. I think they'd be unstoppable, to be honest. Yeah, Ross, like the coaches are obviously getting a lot of scrutiny and, and criticism. You know, are there players in that team, that All Blacks team, who, you know, should be fearing for their future as well, potentially, depending on how the weekend goes? Is, is there, could there be a clear out potentially if things don't
0: go their way? I don't think there'll be a clear out because I think the majority of that squad is the best that there is in this country. I think Shannon Frizzell needs to go in there. They miss his uh, presence in around the rucks, his ball carrying. I think they need to have a big, strong guy like that um, in their loose forward mix rather than you know operating with a lot of more kind of small ball catcher kind of guys, ball, ball getters. But a lot, a lot of pressure on Sam Kane. I don't think Sam Kane will lose his position, but, you know, from Stuart Barnes talking about it in the English press to the Kiwi public getting on Sam Kane's case, uh, there's probably a slight misunderstanding of his role within the team. People expect him, (laughs) like the Sledge was on the weekend, to be Richie McCaw. Um, (laughs) He's not Richie McCaw. He plays closer to the ruck. He hits a lot of rucks. He makes a lot of tackles. He's used as a distributor more than a ball carrier in a lot of senses, uh, with a lot of tip passes, et cetera. So he's used in a way that the New Zealand public don't expect their open side flankers to be used. And so I think there's a big misunderstanding of who and what Sam Kane is within the side. When he hits a ruck, he draws other players in to hit that ruck because he's a big, strong body over the ball. And, and And it makes differences to opposition defensive structures or attacking structures because he's in there doing it. And those are the stats that you can't see. you know. No one counts that. So I think within the team, he has the backing because they see those efforts and the things that he does. But I don't think the public quite understand what I suppose a modern day open side flanker is with the way that open side flankers are targeted these days, you just don't see turnovers at every ruck and mall. You know, you don't see Michael Hooper getting over the ball. You don't see those guys in those positions anymore. You know, they they play far more of a normal loose forward role. They're not quite the superstar position that they used to be um, because of it. But look, he's the man under pressure. I don't think the rest of the team is necessarily under pressure because we can see that they're the best players in the country and they just need to be led right. They need to be given the right attacking structures. They need to understand what they're doing. Geez, there just didn't appear to be a plan when Plan A didn't work, and the kicking game was almost not there. No long kicking, um, very little contestable kicking from Bowen Barrett. It all came from Aaron Smith, and the blockers from the Irish team were exceptional for the guys taking those contestable kicks. You know, they were escorted so well. Um, there's just got to be a big change to the approach and yeah you can put that on the players on the field but when there only appears to be one tactic and then you see the irish coming out with a different set play off every phase play for the entire game you know you start thinking about how smart they're approaching this game and and they're just not as clever as the irish are it's that simple and luke
2: from an irish perspective you know i asked Keen this before we kind of got sidetracked on the discipline stuff before he headed off you know what areas should they be targeting this week to get over the line on saturday night
1: well, they were way better at the Rook in the second test, so it allowed them to play their game. Um, You know, I think, you know, it's... Johnny Sexton is... I completely agree with Ross, Like, but I think it's because he's also his age. Like, he has seen all the situations that he's looking at. He has seen... He's Like, he's made a career on making the right decision under pressure, close to the line. And I think he does it better than nearly anyone I've ever seen. I think that's a really large statement. I would consider Giddo. I consider Felipe Contopomi. I consider probably Carter. But Carter was a brilliant actor. He was just brilliant at everything to my mind. But just that decision-making and ability to to do that, because he doesn't have a massive running game, Johnny, it's all about his hands, you know, and his lovely short-kicking game. He makes decisions. Like, New Zealand won't come up against a guy as good as him at making those decisions uh, by virtue, I think as well his age. <laughs> no one else is probably picking out half that old. Um, but we do, and it's so hard to defend against him. You know, as long as you're running good lines and you're 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 active and you're you're expecting the ball, he can get it there. He can do the no look pass like no one ever, like he is incredible skills in the line. So it is a very tough challenge for them, and I think they'll get better from having played against him actually. But from an Ireland's perspective, you know, that rook is key. I think still giving Johnny Sexton those options. um, And I think they're going to have to watch Barnes. Barnes is a tricky one for both teams. Leinster have had some real challenges with them over over some of his interpretations. I think New Zealand probably will too because even in the Mary game like I just don't know what's going on with that rucking rule. Uh, you know, rook, the, the, the the grabbing of the nine was a big issue in the final uh, of the Heineken Cup uh, for Leinster and it was there were some weird ones weird interpretations against the Marys this morning. Like you could see Paranaora going like, what, like what's going on with this? Like why are you actually allowed to grab the nine now? Like it, there was lots of weird decisions that Barnes will make that Look, I think Ireland are better positioned currently in their in their mindset to, to deal with them. But again, as I said, they have a bad history. The majority of the team are made up of Lencer players and have a bad history with them. So um they're the things that Ireland need to kind of watch for. I thought they also thought, and I probably should mention they, they kicked an awful lot better um against New Zealand. I mean, that's just so important, I think. And I thought they did that really, really well. Um so they're the key points that I'd be looking out for again um goes without saying you've got to defend great against new zealand but i don't even think i need to say that the rooking, the ball handling um and the kicking do those things well you give yourself a great chance of a
2: close test match ross the way in Barnes factor you know do people still have kind of nightmares about 2007 i know sam kane our colleague was saying was laying it on pretty thick the flattery and uh, the build-up to this game
0: i think new zealanders are over it we've seen them enough times since <laughs> that uh we've kind of let it go but um Yeah, it's one of those things, right? People are so used to bad decisions now um, because we get yellow and red cards constantly through a game. Missing a forward pass doesn't seem half as bad as it used to. Mm -hmm. Um, But (laughs) yeah, it's one of those things. I I don't think they'll be too worried about it. I think he actually has a bit of respect because over a long period of time, he's been one of the top officials in world rugby and he's a solid communicator. I think one of the things that people have trouble with referees is when they're not. and, And he is pretty open with what he's about to say and why. I don't think he's quite as aggressive as Yako Paper was. Like, he, even though I feel he got most of the calls right, I mean, off of Tungfasi probably should have been red carded and that probably should have been a penalty try and there was a good chance that for Nuku that should have been a red card as well. But while he got them right, his approach to delivering the message was very aggressive. And I think that that got the All Blacks a little bit offside with it as well. Um, And they probably need to handle that a little bit better. And maybe it was because of what they were saying to him that got him aggressive, but certainly um, the New Zealand public didn't take kindly to that. Um, But yeah, like I, I don't think Wayne Barnes is a significant issue for the All Blacks. I think the All Blacks are a significant issue for the All Blacks. And to talk about a referee being the problem is to really misdirect what the conversation needs to be.
2: And Ross, you know, from your perspective, who are the All Blacks that need the big performances this Saturday to, to win this series? Obviously, Sam Whitelock could be back in the frame; he'd be huge to get back. But there's other key leaders in that team who maybe missed, you know, didn't perform to their potential last Saturday. Who are the guys you're looking to that, like, for New Zealand to win, they need to really step up?
0: Well, I think you see Scott Barrett shift to six again um, with Whitelock back, so that'll add a little bit of size, um, and we'll need them to step up up front. Um, so I think you'll see that. We, I think you need to see Bowden Barrett controlling this game. Um, it was a little bit out of his control, and maybe that was because they're on the back foot and they were they weren't winning at set piece, they weren't running at rock and wall time, and and it's hard to be a ten, but they need control from him. Uh, I think that they'll boost the bench a little bit. You probably see Dan Coles come onto the bench, a bit more experience and a bit more confrontational. Um, you know, he's a guy who over the years has been. Along with Brodie Retallick, the the niggly guys who get in there and upset the opposition and do the things off the ball that opposition fans don't like, and just make sure that the All Blacks are physically dominating. So I think you'll see those guys really step up in those positions. The front row needs to step up big time. Um, you know, when you look at what the Irish props and hooker are doing, both um, in set piece and round ruck and mall with their skill set. The All Blacks need some of that as well. Um, you might see Roger tuivasa Shett come onto the bench to add a little bit of X Factor. And probably David Harvili in at 12 to add some extra kicking game. Um, he's got a, a decent left boot, so that'll give them options for their kicking game. And then Roger Tuivasa-Shek will give them options for X-Factor at the end because there really isn't anyone quite like him in world rugby at the moment for one-on-one beating defenders. So maybe with 15, 20 minutes to go, a test debut for a guy like him, which seems like a big ask, but you know he was the best rugby league player in the world for quite a while. So I don't think pressure is really going to be an issue for him. I think you'll see a little bit out of him. Will Jordan, more game time for Will Jordan is going to be key. You know, he is probably the best attacking player in Super Rugby for two or three years now. Um, And he needs opportunities. They need to get the ball into his hands. Probably Seve Reese switching to the left wing. Um, And uh, that's where I think they'll probably go. But they need it across the board. They need a better platform and they need better control from their game drivers.
2: Okay, prediction time then. Luke, I'll go to you first. Do you think Ireland can win the series? Um, I think New Zealand need this more than Ireland. Uh,
1: I think Ireland might have... That's an unbelievable result for Ireland. I know there was a lot of other factors, red cards and things, but they. I thought Johnny made a great point after the game that they actually won the 15 v 15 and the 14 v 14 portions of the game. That was actually when they scored most of their, their points. So brilliant result for Ireland. I think it's still a great result for the tour. I think this actually is a close one, as I alluded to earlier on. But I think New Zealand need this one, as Ross mentioned, and on home soil, um, I, I think I think that requirement to get a result drags them over the line, um, and maybe saves Foster to to. I, I think he, I think he might make it to that World Cup, even if it's a big mistake, in my opinion. Um, given just just from what from what I've seen, um,
0: so that's my that's my view on it. Yeah, Ross, I agree with Luke. I think the All Blacks need it more um can they deliver it because of that is the big question for me so look looking at the form over the last couple of weeks i didn't think ireland were that far off the pace in the first test um i thought they were setting the pace big time in the second test i'm picking ireland to win the third test oh 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 big i'm feeling a lot better about things now i actually agree with ross luke i
2: actually i have a feeling that ireland might dig it out I could see it. Like, I think Ross was talking about it. Like
1: Ireland's attack has been really, really good. Like you could certainly make a case for that. Um, But I just don't, I can't see New Zealand dropping as much ball again. I think they'll sort that out. And I think Barnes will, there won't be as many, I think they'll get the discipline in check somehow. I think they'll gather themselves after Monday, Tuesday and say, lads, we can't bring the referee onto the pitch as much. I think they get those two things sorted. And then it's, I, th- I still think it's close. And I think that's sorry to say that's close in a, in a test series in New Zealand. Like, like I, I feel like that's a massive statement, but I can see why you would pick Ireland too. So, um, great. I'm, like, it's so exciting. Like it's like eight o'clock kickoffs or, you know, in, in the morning here, like you're, you're up an hour before, uh, <laughs> getting get your, get my fry these days into me. I don't need to get any healthy breakfast in. I can't wait for it. It's really building well. Uh, and I just hope it
2: delivers now. I know, what a finish to the season. It's been a long season, but when you have a game like this to cap it all off, you can't complain too much. Luke, Ross, thanks so much for joining me. Anytime. That's all we have time for on the left wing, but we'll be back after the third test in Wellington, which Naked Sand talking to Rory O'Connor and Keane Tracy to get their verdict on the final test. But in the meantime, you can subscribe to us on Spotify, SoundCloud, or listen on independent.ie. So until next time, thanks for listening and goodbye.
1: This is an Irish independent podcast.